0: Thank you for that. Well, it's a deep pleasure for sitting here to be here with you this morning. And uh, I've been following long distance what's going on here at this church. And it's been very exciting to see how God is using people and using Chris and others to really develop his church and build his church here in this community. That's always an exciting thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about healthy churches and what makes them. And uh, all I know about this church is it's a healthy church, and uh, where you folks are right now, and your ministry is to be, be very much admired and be thankful to God for all that God's doing in your lives and in the life of, of this church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn, please, to the book of First Peter, the fifth chapter. I know you've been going through this book uh, with Chris and... Uh, It's one of the great books that deals a lot with the church and deals a lot with uh, issues that we need to take and think about in our own Christian life and also in God's kingdom. So if you turn to chapter 5 of 1 Peter. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, the witness of Christ's suffering, who also will share the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The same way you who are younger, Submit yourselves to the elders. All you clothe yourself with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but favors gives favor to to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time, and cast all your anxiety on him because He cares for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, and we thank you for these words here in this passage that we've just read. And Father, we pray this morning as we would look to you and we look to your word, that we would be encouraged and we'd be challenged and we grow deeper in our love for you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Some time ago when Chris came to me and told me that he felt called by God to go and plant a church, I was excited about that. I felt that Chris certainly had the gifts to do that. And I believe that new churches are the the means by which God uses to take and, and reach communities. I also saw that in Chris was a man who had a deep love for God and for his word, and deep love for God's people. Those are two things that are absolutely necessary for a pastor, to love God in a deep way, to love God's people also in a deep way. But also had a twinge of sadness. Because I was going to miss Chris and patience, especially their boys. I mean, I enjoy seeing those boys, and I miss them, Chris. But Chris had been a very effective member of our staff. He was one who took his responsibility seriously. He was a gifted teacher. He discipled many of the people in our congregation. And he was well thought of and respected by the people in our church. And so I had to think to myself, I'm going to really miss him for all that he has come to mean to me and to our church family. And so I'm happy today to be here and see what God is doing through him and through you people here. I think that one of the most effective ways to reach a community is with new churches. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but I want you to understand that there's also usually an excitement and enthusiasm with people when they are at a new church night. Since then, when I came here today, that there's enthusiasm, there's excitement about what you see God doing here with you. When you're in a new church and starting a new church, you have to walk by faith. You don't have anything else. You don't have a building. You're in a very nice building now, but you know, I don't think this is your building. And you have to trust that someday God's going to take and place you someplace, give you land and give you the wherewithal to take and build a building to his honor and his glory. So you have to take and walk by faith. You see, faith is the thing that pleases God. And you don't have anything else except really the Lord right now. You don't have a building. You have a fair number of people, but not a huge number of people, but you have quality people. Because people who usually come to be a part of a church plan are people who have an idea they want to be, have their life come up for the Lord. And I see that here today. You also don't have a lot of money probably. I don't know. Maybe you do. But most of the churches I know don't have much money. We didn't have a lot of money when we started covenant. We had to pray daily each week to have enough to pay the bills. And sometimes the prayer was answered and sometimes it wasn't. But we had to really take and depend upon the Lord. And so we, we need to recognize here that you are people who are walking by faith. And that's a wonderful thing. But I want to tell you something else. The next few years will be some of the most exciting, fulfilling years of your whole life. You will look back on these next few years as a very special time because you will see God do special things. I was meeting with some of the people who had started the church at Covenant 30-some years ago. And we were talking about those first five, six years and what it was like. How we saw God answer prayers in, in a miraculous way. We saw God do special things. And, and it was ex- extremely special. And you will see that same thing here. And sometime 20 years from now or so, you'll look back on these years that all the years are going to be Good. But you look back on these years as being very special times. Time when you saw God take and meet your needs in a special way. You see you had nobody else to look to, but God's. see the time comes when you have buildings, you have people, you have resources. It's easy then to start looking to these things for your help and your strength and your security. But right now, you're not know, a time you have to look to the Lord. And that's a wonderful place to be, to look to him and see him. But there will also be challenges during these next few years. There will be growing pains as God brings new people and how to assimilate them and how to keep everybody moving towards the common vision, the common purpose that God's given you as a church. There will be also attacks by Satan. Because you see, Satan's not going to be happy with what's going on here because you are taking over his territory. You're reaching people who have been part of his kingdom and now you're, you're moving them into God's kingdom. And he will attack you. He will try to, to, to cause problems for you. But you must be on your guard because he want to take and move you off from your, 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 your purpose and your goal. he want to take and kind of dull what you're doing and kind of change what God has called you to do. I want to say something to you. Greater is he who's in you, that's the Holy Spirit. And he who's in the world, that's Satan. And the victory will be yours as you trust him and walk with him in faith. And you will find that he will be very faithful to you. And God has provision for you at this time. That's what I want to think about here this, this morning. First of all, God has given to you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit for every Christian who's put their faith and trust in Christ, they're indwelt by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And that should be true of each of you if you're a Christian that you have God's Spirit to guide you, to protect you, to comfort you, to convict you of times when you do that which is displeasing to Him. He's given to you His his Word, and the Word of God is powerful. It will take and give you insight and wisdom, and it will guide you in the things that God wants you to do as an individual and as a church. The last thing, this is what I want us to focus on this morning is, God has given you the gift of godly leadership. You see, in the book of Ephesians, it speaks about the fact that God gave certain people, gave uh, pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints. And he speaks about all the blessing that, that these are people are given to you as, as a gift. And I'd have you think about this morning that God has given to you to bless you the leadership of your church there is God's blessing to this church to bless you and to guide you and to direct you. And god it's God's gift to this church. In our passage, Peter speaks, first of all, to leaders. And I want us to look at that for a few moments for the leaders. Peter says, I exhort you as a fellow elder <coughs> to the elders. Now, Peter wants them to see that he understands that they have something in common. He can relate to them because as they are elders, he is also an elder. Therefore he can relate to them. He said, "You' are to be shepherds that they are to be shepherds and care for the people of God. That's the primary responsibility of the elders is to care for the people of God, to shepherd them, to protect them, to watch over them, and to care for them. And to do so because they feel God has called them. It's not because they feel some compulsion because of the people of this church, although you're the ones who have, who have been God's instrument to, to elect them and call them. But the elder is someone who's been called by God to that ministry and that purpose. <clears throat> he, he, he is taking care for the people and watch over them and care for them. And the key for caring for people is love of Jesus. So many times we think, well, that, that person has certain gifts or certain abilities, and therefore they're going to be good in that responsibility. <clears throat> but the most important thing is that that man have a love for Jesus. You remember the life of Peter, who wrote this epistle. And Peter is, has had a time when he has greatly failed the Lord. You remember he had told the Lord that these other guys might take and desert you, but not me. I'm going to stand firm. And Christ had told him before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. I mean, before the cock crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. And Peter, I'm sure, said, never, not me. But Peter did exactly that. And the Bible says that after he did that, he went out and he wept bitterly. He was heartbroken for what he had done. Some days later, after the resurrection, Jesus had the disciples all together by, by the lake where they had been fishing. And Jesus came and he called them together and they had some time. Then he met with Peter and the two of them had a dialogue. And Peter's, Jesus said to him, Peter... Do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus said, then aren't there feed my sheep? Two other times he asked Peter the same question. Do you love me? And each time Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know, you know I love you. And the third time it says that Peter was broken hearted, that, God, that Christ asked him the third time that issue. But you see, the issue there was, was that not only that Peter be repentant, but that Peter expressed and testified to his love for Jesus Christ. Because, you see, it was out of his love for Christ that if he had the love for Christ right, then he'd have the love for the people of God right. You see, the thing that's important is the, is the fact that if a person's going to minister to God's people, not only does he have a love for the people, but primarily he has a love for Jesus. Because if he has a love for Jesus, all that love for Jesus will become a love for, for people. And I say to those of you who are ministering today, watch over your heart. Watch over your heart in your relationship with with Jesus Christ. Continue to ask yourself, do I really, is my love for Jesus as strong today as it was yesterday? Is it getting stronger as I get to know him better? See, the issue if we're going to be ministering to people is our love for Jesus. Because as we love Jesus, then we will take and have a love for the people he entrusts to us to take and work with. Administer. There's a lot of things that can take and dull our love. We can get very busy with things. We can be busy with very good things. Things that are good and, and things that in and of themselves are valuable. But they take away our devotion to Jesus. And one of the things that one, one of the most difficult things I think for people in ministry is to take and balance everything that they're called to do. We need to take and be sure that we're not letting our love for Jesus get crowded out with activities. We need to also know that our love for Jesus can be really damaged by sin—not sin that we commit, but sin that we don't don't repent of and confess. And the person who's going to be used of God to take and minister to people must be someone who is really sensitive to the Spirit of God's working in his life to take him as something is. That the spirit of God brings to his attention to his sin, what's well, a big thing or a small thing, He recognizes it's the thing he can start calling, leading him down a path of becoming cold towards Jesus. And then we find that neglect, just neglecting to be with him, neglecting him. You know, a relationship will always begin to, to die and grow cold if it's neglected. and it's easy to be wrapped up in so many things that we neglect. That we neglect him. And so, if you're going to minister to people, one of the most important things is to take and have love for Jesus. How can I do that? How can I keep my love strong for Jesus? Remember, in the book of Revelation, Jesus was speaking to one of the churches and said, I have this against you. You've lost your first love. And he's, another time, he speaks about the fact that you're neither hot nor cold. You're just kind of lukewarm. And I think that those passages there in Revelation are, are, are very convicting passages for those of us who want to minister to people. That we constantly ask ourselves, Have I become lukewarm? You see, lukewarmness <coughs> leads to coldness. And coldness is the thing that we all want to take and avoid. We can take and we can talk to Jesus on a regular basis. How many times in the day do you take just for a few moments and just talk to him in prayer? How many times do you take and just talk to him about how wonderful he is? And how thankful you are for the things that he's doing in your life? How many times do you ask him to take and show you what he would have you to do and what would he have you to be? What he would have you to take and trust him for? I think one of the things that deepens our love for Jesus is when we take and bring to him some situation and we trust him for it and we see him take and involve himself in our lives. Elders, and all of us, watch over your heart. Because out of your heart come the issues of life. Be sure that your heart is, is, is tender and sensitive. You see, the other thing is you have a lot of traffic in your, in your life each day. And that trafficking over your your life each day can take and make your heart hardened and insensitive. It's important that we keep our heart sensitive to the the Lord. And so elders, people in ministry to people, be sure you keep your heart warm towards Jesus because out of your love for Jesus will grow your love and ministry for other people. And then... Peter begins to talk to members of the congregation. He says they're to have submission. They're to have a submissive spirit. They're to acknowledge that God's given authority to the elders and they're to submit to them. Huh. That's kind of difficult at times, isn't it? Submission is a word today in American culture and society that most people don't really find very attractive. But no organization can be effective if the members don't submit to the leadership of that organization. It's a thing that's absolutely necessary. And I think that one thing that's important for a church is to always understand that God has called the people who are their leadership to that position. And therefore, there's the importance of being submissive to them. Does that mean that you always agree with your leadership? No. But the way in which you take and deal with disagreement is an important thing. You see, many times when people disagree with something that's going on, they don't go to the person that can do something about it. They go to everybody else. In our New Members Classic Covenant, we had a thing where we would talk about how do you, what do you, how do you deal with, people, with things in the church you don't agree with. And we said that you don't go and talk to people who can't do anything about it, but you go and talk to people who can do something about it. And I would say to you here today, if there's things in the church that you find you have a disagreement with, the thing to do is to go to someone that can do something about it. Someone you can take and share with. You can also find out front of them why they're doing the thing that they're doing. And many times when that's explained to you, you'll find that you certainly can't accept it. But one of the things that's important in the church, there's unity. And, and, and we believe in the church that God has given to the officers and the elders the gift of leading that church and it's important that membership take and support them. And then he says that we're to be clothed with humility. Humility is a hard thing because once you think you have it is when you have lost it. Have you ever heard of someone who's proud of their so humble? There was a person one time I was talking about the fact that God had really given him humility and this other person there and said, well, that's not hard. You have nothing to be proud of. To which the guy said, I do too, I have more than you do. So we're sure that he wasn't really that that humble. But humility is not where you take and put yourself down and you talk about what a wretched person you are. Humility is where you exalt Jesus Christ and make him the the one that that you focus on. Humility is where you take and you're, you're aware of your sinful nature and that you need God's grace. You're aware that, but by the grace of God, you could fall into all kinds of different things. You could have all different kinds of things that would be a problem in your life. And the thing that I think is the fact that God is the one who gives to us the humility. In the book of Philippians, it says, Paul says, have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What do you do? He emptied himself of his rights. He humbled himself to the point of Becoming a man, he humbled himself to the point of going to the cross. Humility is, I think, where we empty ourselves of our rights and we give those rights to the Lord. And he asked the Lord to be honored and glorified in and through our lives. And that's one of the aspects of humility. Then, Paul, I mean, Peter uh, ends this by saying, Cast all your anxiety to him because he cares for you. Peter is saying that one of the things that helps us in life, everybody has things they're anxious over. Probably we could take and make a, if we had a board, we could take and write down a number of anxieties that we're anxious of. We're probably anxious of the economy right now because there's a lot of problems in our economy. We could be anxious concerning our country and the problems that we face as a country. You might be anxious concerning some loved one you have and the difficulty they're going through. You may be anxious about some difficulty you're going through. <clears throat> and Peter says, or take those anxieties and cast them on the Lord because he cares for us. Now, it's like you have a poke and, 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 and you have something that you're carrying and it's, it's weighing you down. You take and you take it up and you take and you, you throw it But you don't just throw it on the ground. You cast it on the Lord because he cares for you. And what he wants us to say here is this, is that as you live your life, you become anxious for something. You acknowledge it in prayer to the Lord. You say, Lord, I'm anxious. I'm anxious because I'm having some financial problems right now. I'm anxious because I have a loved one who's going through a difficult time. And Lord, I acknowledge... That you care about me, and therefore, want to take, you can transfer, and give that unto you. I have found that it doesn't. That sometimes it'll come back. And you have to take and cast it to him, a lot of different times. But the thing that we need to keep reminding ourselves is that he cares for us. How do we know he cares for us? Well, the way we know most that he cares for us, we go to a place called Calvary. There there's a cross. And the cross is a place where Jesus went voluntarily. He didn't he was captured and arrested and taken there, but he could have at any time escaped from there because he was God. And there on the cross, he took it and gave his life for you and for me. How can you show you care for someone in any greater way than giving your life for them? The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. The sins that you and I have committed, all those sins were laid on him. Every wrong thought you ever made, every wrong action you ever took, that was laid on Jesus Christ at that time. He became sin for us. That we might be free from the bondage and the penalty of sin. And so when you find yourself under the pile of something, Stop for a minute and just ask yourself, is there someone who really cares about me? Well, there's probably a lot of people who care about you. But there's someone who has cared for you to the extent that they've taken and died on the cross for you, given their life for you. And that one asks you take and give your cares to him because he cares for you. I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet, but I want to give a prophecy here. You're going to become a very powerful church. You're a healthy church. You've been given the different things that are important for a church to have. You've been given vision. You've been given godly leadership. And from everything I know, you also have a godly congregation. It's going to be fun to watch you over the next few years to see what God does with this congregation, how he uses you to reach this community for him. And I would also have you to really think about the fact that really enjoy these years. They're going to be some of the most exciting and fulfilling years of your life. And someday when you're old, look back, you'll be able to look back and see these truly were some of the best of times. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for your call upon them. I thank you for the elders. And I thank you for their willingness to take and Lead this congregation that they look to you and their godly men. I thank you for Chris, for the gifts you've given him, and for his love for you. I thank this congregation that's supportive of the leadership of this church. And Father, we look forward to seeing what you're going to do the great things you're going to do with the people here. And we will give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.